Book Five, Chapter Five of the Black Arrow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Black Arrow by Robert Louis Stevenson. Book Five, Chapter Five. Night in the Woods. Alicia Risingham. It was almost certain that Sir Daniel had made for the moat house, but considering the heavy snow the lateness of the hour, and the necessity under which he would lie of avoiding the few roads and striking across the wood. It was equally certain that he could not hope to reach it ere the morrow. There were two courses open to Dick, either to continue to follow in the night's trail, and, if he were able, to fall upon him that very night in camp, or to strike out a path of his own, and seek to place himself between Sir Daniel and his destination either scheme was open to serious objection and dick who feared to expose joanna to the hazards of a fight had not yet decided between them when he reached the borders of the wood at this point sir daniel had turned a little to his left and then plunged straight under a grove of very lofty timber his party had then formed to a narrower front in order to pass between the trees and the track was trod proportionately deeper in the snow the eye followed it under the leafless tracery of the oaks running direct and narrow the trees stood over it with knotty joints and the great uplifted forest of their boughs there was no sound whether of man or beast not so much as the stirring of a robin and over the field of snow the winter sun lay golden among the netted shadows how say ye asked dick of one of the men to follow straight on or strike across for tunstall "'Sir Richard,' replied the men-at-arms, "'I would follow the line until they scatter.' "'Ye are doubtless right,' returned Dick. "'But we came right hastily upon the errand, "'even as the time commanded. "'Here are no houses, neither for food nor shelter, "'and by the morrow's dawn we shall know "'both cold fingers and an empty belly. "'How say ye, lads? "'Will we stand a pinch for expedition's sake, "'or shall we turn by Hollywood "'and sup with Mother Church?' the case being somewhat doubtful i will drive no man yet if he would suffer me to lead you ye would choose the first the men answered almost with one voice that they would follow sir richard where he would and dick setting spur to his horse began once more to go forward the snow in the trail had been trodden very hard and the pursuers had thus a great advantage over the pursued they pushed on indeed at a round trot, two hundred hoofs beating alternately on the dull pavement of the snow, and the jingle of weapons and the snorting of horses raising a warlike noise along the arches of the silent wood. Presently the wide slot of the pursued came out upon the high road from Hollywood. It was there for a moment indistinguishable, and where it once more plunged into the unbeaten snow upon the further side, Dick was surprised to see it narrower and lighter trod. Plainly, profiting by the road, Sir Daniel had begun already to scatter his command. At all hazards, one chance being equal to another, Dick continued to pursue the straight trail, and that, after an hour's riding, in which it led into the very depth of the forest, suddenly split, like a bursting shell, into two dozen others, leading to every point of the compass dick drew bridle in despair the short winter's day was near an end the sun a dull red orange 
shorn of rays swam low among the leafless thickets the shadows were a mile long upon the snow the frost bit cruelly at the fingernails and the breath and steam of the horses mounted in a cloud well we are outwitted dick confessed strike we for hollywood after all it is still nearer us than tunstall or should be by the station of the sun so they wheeled to their left turning their backs on the red shield of sun and made across country for the abbey but now times were changed with them they could no longer spank forth briskly on a path beaten firm by the passage of their foes and for a goal to which that path itself conducted them now they must plough at a dull pace through the encumbering snow continually pausing to decide their course continually floundering in drifts the sun soon left them the glow of the west decayed and presently they were wandering in a shadow of blackness under frosty stars presently indeed the moon would clear the hilltops and they might resume their march but till then every random step might carry them wider of their march there was nothing for it but to camp and wait sentries were posted a spot of ground was cleared of snow and after some failures a good fire blazed in the midst the men-at-arms sat close about this forest hearth sharing such provisions as they had and passing about the flask and dick having collected the most delicate of this rough and scanty fare brought it to lord risingham's niece where she sat apart from the soldiery against a tree she sat upon one horse-cloth wrapped in another and stared straight before her at the firelit scene at the offer of food she started like one wakened from a dream and then silently refused madam said dick let me beseech you punish me not so cruelly herein i have offered you i know not i have indeed carried you away but with a friendly violence i have indeed exposed you to the inclemency of night but the hurry that lies upon me hath for its end the preservation of another who is less frail and no less unfriended than yourself at least madam punish not yourself and eat if not for hunger then for strength i will eat nothing at the hands that slew my kinsman she replied dear madam dick cried i swear to you upon the rood i touched him not swear to me that he still lives she returned i will not palter with you answered dick pity bids me to wound you in my heart i do believe him dead and ye ask me to eat she cried ay and they call you sir ye have won your spurs by my good kinsman's murder and had i not been fool and traitor both and saved you in your enemy's house ye should have died the death and he he that was worth twelve of you were living i did but my man's best even as your kinsman did upon the other party answered dick were he still living as i vow to heaven i wish it he would praise not blame me so daniel hath told me she replied he marked you at the barricade upon you he saith their party floundered it was you that won the battle well then it was you that killed my good lord risingham as sure as though ye had strangled him and ye would have me eat with you and your hands not washed from killing but sir daniel hath sworn your downfall he it is that will avenge me the unfortunate dick was plunged in gloom old arblaster returned upon his mind and he groaned aloud do ye hold me so guilty 
he said, you that defended me, you that are Joanna's friend. What made ye in the battle? she retorted. Ye are of no party, ye are but a lad, but legs and body, without government of wit or counsel. Wherefore did ye fight? For the love of hurt, party. Nay, cried Dick, I know not, but as the realm of England goes, if that a poor gentleman fight not upon the one side, perforce he must fight upon the other. He may not stand alone. Tis not in nature. They that have no judgment should not draw the sword, replied the young lady. Ye that fight but for a hazard, what are ye but a butcher? War is but noble by the cause, and ye have disgraced it. Madam, said the miserable Dick, I do partly see mine error. I have made too much haste. I have been busy before my time. Already I stole a ship, thinking I do swear it, to do well, and thereby brought about the death of many innocent, and the grief and ruin of a poor old man, whose face this very day hath stabbed me like a dagger. And for this morning I did but design to do myself credit, and get fame to marry with, and behold, I have brought about the death of your dear kinsman, that was good to me, and what besides I know not, for alas, I may have set York upon the throne, and that may be the worser cause, and may do hurt to England. Oh, madam, I do see my sin. I am unfit for life. I will, for penance sake, and to avoid worse evil, once I have finished this adventure, get me to a cloister. I will forswear Joanna and the trade of arms. I will be a friar, and pray for your good kinsman's spirit all my days." It appeared to Dick, in this extremity of his humiliation and repentance, that the young lady had laughed. Raising his countenance, he found her looking down upon him in the firelight, with a somewhat peculiar, but not unkind expression. "'Madam,' he cried, thinking the laughter to have been an illusion of his hearing, but still from her changed looks, hoping to have touched her heart, "'Madam, will not this content you?' I give up all to undo what I have done amiss. I make heaven certain for Lord Risingham, and all this upon the very day that I have won my spurs, and thought myself the happiest young gentleman on ground. Oh, boy, she said, good boy. And then, to the extreme surprise of Dick, she first very tenderly wiped the tears away from his cheeks, and then, as if yielding to a sudden impulse, threw both her arms about his neck drew up his face and kissed him. A pitiful bewilderment came over simple-minded Dick. But come, she said, with great cheerfulness, you that are a captain, ye must eat. Why sup ye not? Dear Mistress Risingham, replied Dick, I did but wait first upon my prisoner, but to say truth, penitence will no longer suffer me to endure the sight of food. I were better to fast, dear lady, and to pray." call me alicia she said are we not old friends and now come i will eat with you bit for bit and sup for sup so if ye eat not neither will i but if ye eat hearty i will dine like a ploughman so there and then she fell to and dick who had an excellent stomach proceeded to bear her company at first with great reluctance but gradually as he entered into the spirit with more and more vigour and devotion until at last he forgot even to watch his model, and most heartily repaired the expenses of his day of labour and excitement. Lion-driver, 
she said at length, ye do not admire a maid in a man's jerkin? The moon was now up, and they were only waiting to repose the wearied horses. By the moon's light, the still penitent, but now well-fed Richard, beheld her looking somewhat coquettishly down upon him. Madam, he stammered, surprised at this new turn in her manners. Nay, she interrupted, it skills not to deny. Joanna hath told me, but come, sir lying-driver, look at me, am I so homely? Come. And she made bright eyes at him. Ye are something smallish indeed, began Dick. And here again she interrupted him, this time with a ringing peal of laughter that completed his confusion and surprise. Smallish, she cried, nay, now be honest, as ye are bold. I am a dwarf or a little better, but for all that, come, tell me, for all that, passably fair to look upon, is it not so? Nay, madam, exceedingly fair, said the distressed knight, pitifully trying to seem easy. And a man would be right glad to wed me, she pursued. Oh, madam, right glad, agreed Dick. Call me Alicia, she said. Alicia, quoth Sir Richard. Well, then, lion-driver, she continued, Sith that ye slew my kinsmen, and left me without stay, ye owe me in honour every reparation, do ye not? I do, madam, said Dick, although upon my heart I do hold me but partially guilty of that brave knight's blood. Would you evade me? she cried. Madam, not so. I have told you, at your bidding, I will even turn me a monk, said Richard. Then in honour ye belong to me, she concluded. "'In honour, madam, I suppose,' began the young man. "'Go to,' she interrupted. "'Ye are too full of catches. "'In honour do ye belong to me, till ye have paid the evil?' "'In honour I do,' said Dick. "'Here, then,' she continued, "'ye would make but a sad friar, methinks, "'and since I am to dispose of you at pleasure, "'I will even take you for my husband. "'Nay, now no words,' cried she. "'They will avail you nothing, for see how just it is that ye who deprived me of one home should supply me with another. And as for Joanna, she will be the first, believe me, to commend the change. For after all, as we be dear friends, what matters it with which of us ye wed? Not one whit. Madam, said Dick, I will go into a cloister, and ye please to bid me, but to wed with any one in this big world, besides Joanna Sedley, is what I will consent to neither for man's force, nor yet for lady's pleasure. Pardon me if I speak my plain thoughts plainly, but where a maid is bold, a poor man must be even the bolder. Dick, she said, ye sweet boy, ye must come and kiss me for that word. Nay, fear not, ye shall kiss me for Joanna, and when we meet I shall give it back to her, and say I stole it. And as for what ye owe me, why, dear simpleton, methinks ye were not alone in that great battle, and even if York be on the throne, it was not you that set him there. But for a good, sweet, honest heart, Dick, ye are all that. And if I could find it in my soul to envy your Joanna anything, I would envy her your love. End of Book 5, Chapter 5